direct from Fort Meade, Maryland, this is Infos Live. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Dinfos Live. <clears throat> I'm your host, Major David J. Murphy, an instructor at the Defense Information School. On this month's episode, we'll get to meet the new Commandant of Dinfos, Army Colonel Richard McNorton, and two instructors from the recently revised Intermediate Motion Media course, Mr. Michael DeGrossa and Air Force Tech Sergeant Michael Brady. I'd now like to welcome our first guest to the program, Colonel McNorton. Sir, welcome. Hey, thanks, Major Murphy. Great to be here. Great to have you. Have a seat, sir, please. <clears throat> now, before we get on to the questions for you, sir, I would just like to take a moment to introduce our new social media moderator for this month, Lance Corporal Alexis French. Welcome to the program, Lance Corporal. Thank you, sir. Now, I know you're working on a project that involves Marine Corps athletes. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so one of the athletes is First Lieutenant Stephanie Simon. She's a Marine, but she's also a boxer. Wow. Re yeah, recently we covered her competing at the national championship down in Texas, which she did win, and currently she is at the Olympic Training Center for uh, the Olympic Trials, so it's pretty cool. Great, well that sounds like it's going to be an awesome product, so we can't wait to see it. Let us know when it comes out, okay? Now, if you have any questions for any of our guests, please leave them down in the comments below, and we might just read them on the air. Okay, well, on with the questions, sir. First, can you tell us a little about yourself and your career in the military? Well, I've served in all three components of the Army, and uh, my career began way back in 1985 when I enlisted as an infantryman, wow. and then I became an armor officer and commanded uh, Bravo Company, 1st and 185th Armor in the California National Guard. And then in, uh, in 2005, I attended the, the Dinfos Public Affairs Qualification Course uh, while I was the commander of the 304th MPAD out of the Army Reserve. And uh, during my, my career as a public affairs officer, I've supported uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Enduring Freedom, and uh, Operation uh, Freedom uh, Sentinel. Um, I was here at, at Fort Meade back in 2014 as the director of the Army Public Affairs Center, where I served about three years and worked very closely with, uh, with DINFOS during that time. And most recently, I was the uh, director of communication at the Army's uh, Training and Doctrine Command. And the, the highlight of my career is being the Commandant at Dinfos, where I work with, uh, with an amazing team of some of the best communicators in the Department of Defense, uh, helping shape the future generation of uh, military communicators. Wow, that's amazing. You mentioned, obviously, you're the Commandant for Dinfos. Can you inform our audience about what kind of roles and responsibilities that entails? Absolutely. Um, you know, the first responsibility is uh, readiness for the fleet and the force by providing uh, military communicators that are agile and capable of, uh, of accomplishing and, and supporting the commander's communication goals. And we do that primarily through our mass communication foundations course for our, our enlisted, uh, for all services, and the uh, public affairs communication and strategy qualification course for officers and, and senior NCOs. And we provide them to the force where they can uh, implement the commander's communication uh, strategy. Um, the second uh, responsibility is maintaining the culture at, uh, at DINFOS. And the culture is based on a cohesive team, uh, focused on discipline, um, focused on uh, being diverse, inclusive, and treating everybody with uh, dignity and respect. And then uh, my final responsibility is looking towards the future and in, in modernizing our, our training and education, ensuring that we're supporting the, uh, the services. Uh, as doctrine is developed so that our graduates uh, continue to maintain that competitive advantage in the uh, information uh, environment. And we do that through uh, modernizing our, our courses 
and staying up to date with what's happening in the information environment and, and best practices and, and uh, utilizing our um, uh, processes through the uh, public affairs and uh, training uh, educational council. And also we have a, um, a process within DINFOS to uh, update our curriculum. We're also modernizing our, our classrooms, our facilities, and, uh, and our equipment. We just uh, purchased uh, some mirrorless cameras that are being fielded and being used by our uh, new MCF uh, students. Excellent. Now, uh, since you've been with us at the schoolhouse, you've defined your mission statement, your vision statement, of course, your priorities. Can you walk those through us for, for our audience? Correct. Uh, yeah, our, our primary mission is to train uh, military communicators for the Department of Defense and its, and its partners. And uh, we want to make sure that all of our graduates are agile and are effective in um, assisting their commanders in, in maintaining a competitive advantage in the in information uh, environment. Um, also, uh, what's important is making sure that DINFOS remains uh, an assignment of choice for our military personnel and, and civilians. And we do it through making sure that they uh, have a, a pathway for their professional development that they feel a reward in what they're doing every day and how they're contributing to the Department of Defense um, by uh, training and educating the next generation of communicators. And we have a strategy that has four lines of effort and our, our uh, first line of effort is taking care of people, you know, making sure that both our civilians and militaries have a good uh, career path and professional development program uh, while maintaining an environment of holistic health and fitness in order to mitigate some of the stress that comes with, uh, with the workplace. Our um, second line of effort is, you know, training and education. That's, that's what we're in, in, in the business of doing. And, uh, you know, constantly looking at ways of updating and modernizing our training and how we deliver it. Um, we just went through a transformation with our, uh, the public affairs communication and strategy course a couple years ago. And the Mass Communication Foundations course has been a couple years. Uh, and we're getting some very good feedback from, uh, from across the fleet and force about the, uh, the quality and the professionalism of the, of the graduates. And then the, the third line of effort is uh, modernize and expand um, our capabilities. And, and a lot of that has to do with what we've learned during the uh, pandemic on how to deliver uh, training and education out to the fleet and to the force through uh, either virtual or, or blended um, leveraging some of the tools that we have uh, on our website, for example, Pavilion, which is a great source for information and templates to use. Uh, we have about uh, 2,000 unique visitors coming each day to download some of that content from our Pavilion site. Wow. And then also uh, a, a mobile training team that goes out to kind of fill in some of those uh, capability gaps that are out in the fleet in the field. And then, and then finally, the, the fourth line of effort uh, is inform and learn, kind of what we're doing here right now, talking about what we do at, at DINFOS and making sure that we're constantly learning, that our instructors are paying attention to what's happening uh, as, as professionals learning and then passing that knowledge out to our, uh, our students. Wow, that's amazing, sir. You know, uh, information operations is a very dynamic and fast-moving aspect of what we do within the Department of Defense, especially as it relates to in things like information warfare. Can you talk to me a little about what the schoolhouse's uh, involvement is in that sort of thing, where you see the schoolhouse with regard to that larger information career field? Absolutely. Uh, DINFOS is unique. We're the, we're the only school uh, in the Department of Defense that, has the, uh, that teaches um, public affairs uh, across all of the uh, services. Um, and so when we look at you know, information advantage, the public affairs is the most responsive uh, capability out there, engaging the uh, American people, um, the media, 
the ability to post content onto social media, the capabilities we have with um, acquiring, processing, delivering imagery and, and video to tell the story. And so when we look at what's happening right now um, with the information advantage, public affairs plays that huge role in keeping the American people informed and educated, keeping foreign audiences informed, and uh, most recently countering mis- and disinformation. And our graduates are the most prepared in, in advising commanders and executing uh, those, those missions. We have some great courses, our intermediate courses, the uh, JIPAC and uh, JICPAC, which is, uh, of course, the Joint Contingency um, Operations course that's happening uh, right now. We've got, it's a two-week course where our graduates leave with those, uh, those tools and those capabilities to assist our commanders in maintaining that competitive advantage in the information dimension. And I know uh, one of our speakers is going to, or we have two instructors coming to talk about one of our other intermediate courses. Absolutely, sir. We're going to be talking about the Intermediate Motion Media course here in just a moment. And, sir, I know you're very busy. You have many things you have to take care of. But before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, um, we have a, a social media forum that we're currently planning to be um, uh, conducted here in this studio in the uh, August time frame. Uh, so please stay tuned. Um, we're going to be announcing that through our social media platforms. And also, we're taking nominations for the DINFOS Alumni Hall of Fame for those distinguished graduates who attended DINFOS and then went on to be uh, accomplished in, uh, in entertainment, in media. Um, and so we're accepting nomination packets uh, through the, uh, the end of May for that. Excellent. Yeah, I know that has some really great alumni as part of it, so can't wait to see some more folks added to the list. Well, sir, thank you again so much for your time right. today. Thanks we for truly me. appreciate it. Welcome to the program anytime you like. All right, well now, I'd like to welcome our next guests to the program, Mr. DeGrosa and Texar Brady. Hello, Mr. DeGrosa, Texar, have to see you. Have a seat. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking time out of your days to talk about this uh, program, the Intermediate Motion Media Course, or IMMC. Before we get into that, though, why don't you tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and your careers? Sure, I've uh, been doing video in the Air Force for about 17 years now. I've worked at wing level, Air Force HQ level, and uh, DOD level video uh, production houses. Wow. And uh, I have worked uh, uh, in the news media for 11 years. I worked with NBC, ABC, and I did a short stint in Austin, Texas with uh, Spectrum News, which was a 24-hour outfit and operating uh, live trucks, satellite trucks. And then from there, I moved on to eight years of doing social media video content for uh, a university in upstate New York. Excellent. Well, glad to have such highly qualified individuals talk about this program. So let's go right into it. What exactly is IMMC? Well, IMMC is a, a 35-day course, and it's very centric on storytelling, so video storytelling. Uh, it's all about the feedback. So our students will come to us, they'll get a little bit of instruction, we'll start sending them out videos, they'll come back, we'll give them feedback, they'll go out and shoot more videos, we'll give them more feedback. Awesome. Yep. If, if I were someone who was interested in, in taking this course, like I was watching right now, and I'm like, how do I get into that class? What are the prerequisites and where do I find them? Well, uh, 
you know, uh, for the most part in our in our classes, we've had E4, E5, E6. It's also open to uh, DOD employees, uh, GS employees. Uh, all we're really looking for is that one year of experience. And uh, you know, for more information, you should really go to Dinfo's uh, Dinfo's uh, site. Uh, I'm sure that your, your your staff will put that up for us. To, yeah, it'll be to in the a, link in the comments down below. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to get a little bit more information about our class, but we we really are looking for that one year of experience of shooting and editing film. Oh, okay, great. What specifically differentiates IMMC from all the other courses here at the Schoolhouse? I guess what really makes us different is that we like to have dynamic camera movements, right? So very cinematic looking camera <laughs> movements. We have a lot of really, really unique gear that our class specifically is issued that we, uh, they go out and they shoot this gear. Nice. That's awesome. Well, I know we're going to actually get to see some of these dynamic camera movements in practice because you actually brought to us a clip, or actually a product from a previous student. Uh, before we show that to our audience, can you quickly describe what they're about to see? Sure. So this is from one of our previous students. Uh, her name was Air Force Staff Sergeant Aubrey Owens. And uh, it's, this is a great example of compelling storytelling that we like to see in our class. And of course, she does have the dynamic camera movements and the uh, the on-screen transitions that we like to teach in our class. But right. I'll just really let the video speak for itself. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that footage. She gets on that horse and it's like her eyes light up, you know, and it's just like something is triggered in her that you can just tell, like hits her like spirit. The only toys she plays with for the most part at home other than doing art, and even art is horse related. She's painting horses, she's playing with horses, she's feeding her herd. I like that they're intelligent and they're fast and they are very cool. She must have been about four and she had always loved horses and so I started taking her just to see them and talk to them and you know touch them. It was probably about six months of doing that and finally we talked to them about doing some therapeutic riding. So she was diagnosed uh, May 23rd 2016 with pre-B cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Emma experienced a lot of side effects. Um, she was very sensitive to the chemo in general. One of the more rare side effects is um, something called methotrexate toxicity. Unfortunately for her, it wasn't caught right away, and she has brain damage from that now. So it's her executive function, it's learning disabilities, it's you know behavioral things, emotional things. Horses and horseback riding have, you know, they literally helped her get through treatment. Just having that, you know, connection and something else to focus on and look forward to. To be honest, I was still sick when I was started riding horses. I stopped being sick when I was about, I don't know, six. She is now almost four years off treatment. She is considered in short-term remission. Horseback riding also continues to help her with that regulation and self-awareness and attention, patience, um, you know, horseback riding is just helping her get through all of that and just overall rehab every part of her. It helped me like build up my confidence and 
learn how to do things that I wasn't able to do when I was sick. It's made her be able to live again and to be happy. Wow, that was really great, very emotional. So that's really an excellent uh, product and, and something that it shows, I think, what uh, kind of produce work you guys uh, get out there mm, from your definitely. students, for sure. Well, you talk a little bit about cinematic movements. We saw some of those demonstrated there. Obviously, that requires some specific gear, I would imagine. So what kind of gear do the students actually get issued to utilize for the course? Well, right now they're being issued uh, the, the Ronin RS2. We also have the 48-inch uh, Canova slider and we have the uh, iFootage mini crane, uh, uh, a pocket jib, basically. Uh, and uh, they also have a track and dolly system. Okay. Uh, so, and in addition to this, uh, this just gets issued to the different, uh, you know, to the different groups that are created through our class. But they also can go to student issue, and there is a whole other host uh, of equipment available to them that can uh, provide very cinematic shots and add uh, to the visual content to keep those audience, keep the audience hooked yeah. into watching that uh, video project. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love that one shot where the camera goes into the horse's snout and then transition to the other shot. That, that was uh, brilliant, in my opinion. You know, I know the course went through some revision recently. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. Can you talk to me about specifically what changed with the course? Sure. We've added a lot more emphasis on preparing for what they're going to be shooting. So pre-production processes. We go a lot into the commander's intent, understanding that and really building your story around what the commander wants of that story and then doing storyboards, doing scripting, and really knowing what you're gonna shoot before, before you go out and shoot. So that, that's a huge emphasis. So you've also added some controlled action uh, exercises that were requested by the services. We've added more After Effects time. That's something that lots of classes have always requested because we go pretty in depth in After Effects. And there's just a lot of stuff that we've, uh, we've added throughout the course, peppered in through it, such as you've got a cinematic lighting uh, that we haven't previously done in the, in the past. You know, I know the, the length of the course actually went from 25 days to 35 days. Was it difficult at all to kind of convince the services to give you those 10 extra days? I mean, I don't, I don't really know what goes into that, but they, they came to us after we, you know, we had the, the baseline for what we wanted for the course. They told us what the service leads told us what they wanted in the course. We came back to them and we proposed hey, we, we really want 35 days. You know, that way we can give the students all the hands-on they want. And sure enough, they gave us all 30, 35 days. We weren't yeah. really expecting that, but shoot for the stars. There you go. That's great to hear. Now, you've already had one iteration of the course. What did you learn from that first run? Uh, the students have had a real positive feedback. Uh, uh, and uh, they really like uh, having the, uh, a lot of open discussions and getting... Uh, getting to talk with not only us as the instructors, but uh, relating to each other back and forth about certain uh, situations and certain things that they have done out in the field. I'll give you an example for interviewing. You know, So we'll, once we get through uh, the actual lesson on interviewing, we'll, we have an open discussion time uh, to hear the things that they have done during interviews and some of the mistakes that they made, some of the great things that they have done, information that they could pass on to one another that really works within an interview. 
That's great. Did you get any feedback specifically from like the end of course critique that helped drive changes into the, the current iteration that you're in? We have. So we've only run one iteration thus far, but we got very positive reviews from that class. So it's really been incremental updates we've added. We've, you know, massaged out some of the lesson plans. We've added some more learning activities into the lessons. But for the most part, the, the reception has been very, very positive. And that's great to hear because obviously we take feedback very seriously here at the Defense Information School. And if you happen to have been to a course or plan to attend a course, you know, your feedback really helps sculpt the future of those programs. That's great. Um, what were some of the main things students are going to take from this course and bring back to their command? What's like the key thing you want students to take from this course? I mean, honestly, I'd say take the whole course back with you, but every, every student's going to have something different that they really take away from this course. But the big thing is that we, we want them to understand the pre-production that can go into a really good video. We want them to know how to plan and execute that plan. And also, hopefully, their units will have some of this uh, gear. We've actually heard stories of people, students, who they said, you know, we have this gimbal at our unit, or we have this slider at our unit, and no one knows how to use it. So now they can go back to their units, and they can teach their fellow soldier sailors, airmen, marines, how to use this equipment. Yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, that is, that's one of the things that I, I really hope they do, is they go back and they share that information back. And, and also, once they do tell a good, compelling story, is, is to analyze the back end. You know, what, did it really hit the commander's intent, right? Was it successful? And we do a lot of that now in the, in the new course now, too, is to, is to really figure out uh, uh, how that uh, creative content as a content creator is hitting home. Yeah, absolutely. Understanding commander's intent is extremely vital and something we push a lot in the PAX-Q program. Absolutely. Uh, here we have a question from social media, so let's throw it over yes. to Lance Corporal French. Yes, from Kenneth Fisher, he asks, what separates IMMC from other multimedia courses? Um, well, like I said earlier, we are the ones that concentrate on the dynamic camera movements. So you've also got IPC, which is another intermediate course, intermediate photojournalism course, and they're constant, they concentrate mainly on photo. So right. for us, we, we want to get that, uh, that movement in there. However, it's all about story. So that's our big concentration is storytelling. So I, we are similar to IPC in that, in that fashion. Yeah, uh, one of the, uh, I'm going to go back to the, the, the course with, uh, uh, with interviewing because that, that's, uh, I, that was my bread and butter for nearly 11 years is, mm -hmm. you know, is, is something we like to say to our students is finding the why behind the why, you know, okay. uh, keep, keep asking why, you know, you know, uh, not, not as so as pestering somebody, but finding, uh, you know, finding out how they felt about something, how, how that, uh, how that person's story relates back to your commander's intent since you're going to be interviewing that person and relating it back to that commander's intent you you want that uh, message to really hit home with your audience and uh, once you're doing a good job with interviewing you're telling a good story you're influencing people's hearts and minds yeah absolutely and I think obviously you know you're video focused but even in that short piece we saw there's elements of photo there were stills in that that video piece there was mm -hmm. some motion graphics right you, yep. you emphasize motion graphics as well don't you we do we have several days of after effects training that we go into we incorporate that into certain practice exercises each team actually creates a logo for their team a production logo if you will that they put at the end of their video 
and yes, we are we are pretty After Effects heavy class. Yeah, they're they're building those graphics from the ground up and wow. and, and and learning how to be creative with a creative eye to to see what graphics work and what what graphics don't. So. Yeah, have you have you had a lot of students that have gone through the the new MCF program that are now in the IMMC program, and have you seen that? that multifunctional capability expressed in, in the students? We have. We, we've started getting our MCF students about a year or so ago, and uh, they would come to us with all kinds of, they, they knew how to do everything, but we focused them on how they can shoot video specifically and get that compelling video, tell that interesting story. Great. And it's all the same kind of video shots that you'll see in major motion pictures that they're learning how to do. Uh, to be creative, even uh, you know, even if it's a small video that's only a minute or so long, for or or sixty seconds uh, for for a PSA, that you're you're doing movements that are uh, that you see in major motion pictures to keep your audience invested in the message. Absolutely. How can students who are slated to attend the course help prepare themselves to succeed when they get here? Well, I'd say the number one thing they could do is start researching the DMV area because what we'll have them do within the first week of being here in the course is they need to come up with five story ideas inside of the local area. So Baltimore, Virginia, we've had students go as far as New York. They have to tell us, they have to have a really good reason for going that far. <laughs> yeah. But we, we have had students that have traveled quite a distance to get stories and we, we like to afford them that freedom. Yeah. So I would say if you're coming to this course to know, at least have an idea of something that you would like to shoot while you're here. I would say, you know, uh, you know, uh, we, we, the students are issued the RS uh, to uh, uh, Gimbal, so check out a couple of videos on YouTube. Look to see what other content creators are, are doing with that uh, Gimbal and, and how to operate it and, and how to do some creative shots. Get a little invested before we get into the courses to actually show you how to combine shots using, a, using the, the specific, specific pieces of equipment, you know. Absolutely. That's great. Well, I want to thank you again for your time today, folks. I really appreciate uh, definitely what you've been able to bring to our program today. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? Um, I guess I just want to say that maybe I'm a little biased here, but I think that IMMC is you know, the best program that uh, DIMFOS has to offer. And uh, if you are at all interested in video in any way, shape, or form, please come on down and see us, and we'd love to, we'd love to have you. Right. You know, it's it's a it's a rigorous course, and uh, but you're going to learn a lot. You're going to really learn a lot to to advance your commander's intent and, and for the future and beyond. It's there's a lot of solid skills in there, a lot of tools to put in the tool belt. Great, glad to hear it. All right, folks. Well, that concludes our show for this month. I want to thank all of our guests for making time to be here today, and I want to thank you for tuning in. You can find any of the links we discussed on today's show in our show notes. Also, don't forget that if you'd like to listen to the show rather than watch it, you can actually download it as a podcast. Just search Dinfos Live in your podcatcher of choice. Join us next month on February 22nd at 1400 when we'll have Paula Smith from the Army uh, Office of Public Affairs. And she'll be talking to us about message mapping. All right, everyone, have a great day and we'll see you next month.